What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Two Feet on the Ground Gravity Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris. Thank you for choosing to tune in today. Hey, folks, you are in for a treat. I had the honor today of interviewing my lieutenant from Korea now, Fulbird Colonel Chris Sheffield of the United States Air Force. Uh, I don't know that I shared this before, but I got to Korea just a few weeks before September 11th, 2001. Uh, Colonel Sheffield got there just a, another week or so after 9-11. And watching his leadership, the leadership that he demonstrated, and the leadership of a number of other NCOs there in Korea impacted my life in significant ways. Uh, and what I loved about this interview is is hearing how how the lieutenant has matured over the years. He was already mature, uh, but he has matured that much more in his leadership and his mindset and the way he's leading airmen today. Uh, folks, you're going to get something from this, so stay tuned. But before we get into the interview, as always, I want to talk about our sponsor. Sponsor of the Two Feet on the Ground Gravity Podcast is Service Peace Warriors. Service Peace Warriors is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to our nation's heroes. That's right, to the veterans, uh, to our first responders that are suffering from post-traumatic stress or other service-related disabilities. They take on all the costs, folks. Uh, they don't charge the veterans anything. Uh, they take on all the costs to equip our veterans with service animals. It's an absolutely remarkable organization. If you haven't checked them out yet, please, please, please check out servicepeacewarriors.org today and learn more about them. Hey folks, if you want to get on board, if you want to know that you're making a difference in the life uh, of a veteran or a first responder, uh, all you have to do is Google search Amazon Smile. That's right, Amazon Smile. You'll figure out the way to connect your Amazon account to Service Peace Warriors. And then every time you spend a little bit of money on Amazon, they're going to kick a few pennies to service peace warriors. And if enough of us do this, we can sit there and equip some veterans with service animals. Uh, folks, check them out today. Absolutely great organization. With that, folks, there's nothing more to say. I want to get over to the interview with Colonel Sheffield. Uh, sit back and enjoy. Colonel Chris Sheffield, welcome to the Two Feet on the Ground Gravity podcast. Thanks for joining me here tonight. Hey, thanks. Happy to be here. Excited to share some discussions and some memories with you tonight. Hey, this takes us back a little bit. I know we were talking just a second offline, but uh, 20 years ago, uh, in fact, 20 years ago to the day, you and I were both, uh, or not deployed, but we were we were stationed at Kunsan Air Force Base in the Republic of Korea doing our, our remote tour there. And that's where we first met. Yeah, that's a... I mean, it doesn't seem like it was 20 years ago, right? And, and, until you look at my hairline and, uh, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, that's, it's, it's hard to believe it's been that long. But, man, that was a fantastic, uh, fun year. It was surrounded by some really fantastic people. It was, it was a great opportunity. I'm glad we got to meet up back way back then. And, and just the way that you know, things worked out, it's unfortunate. Our paths never crossed again because it's such a small military service. And you know, through the magic of social media, we've been able to stay in a little bit of contact. That's been pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, you you really weren't that uh, you, that experienced, if you will. You're you're an Air Force Academy graduate. You had been stationed uh, here in the states for a couple years post yeah. post your graduation, and then you're in Korea just before or just shortly after nine eleven. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what was that experience like like as a as a young lieutenant? I mean, you're 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 a flight commander when you first got there. Um, and what was that experience like? 
uh, being in Korea as, as a young uh, Air Force officer? Yeah, so, um, so a little context to getting to that answer to that question. So my previous uh, two years, I was in the Air Force about two years at that point when I went to Korea. So I actually was en route to Korea on 9-11. That day was the day I was PCSing to Korea. Um, and you know, obviously tons of there's horrible memories from that day. Right. And, and, uh, and as luck would have it, I got stuck in Seattle for a couple of days because of the, you know, airflow getting shut down. But, uh, my previous two years, I was at FD Warren air force base up in uh, Wyoming. And if you know anything about that mission set, um, that, that, that base is all about intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBMs. And, uh, as a security forces officer, uh, and you remember back to your security police days and security forces days, um, it was a, probably suffice to say kind of a boring mission because you spend two years and this is my case two years on the plains of nebraska and wyoming guarding a weapon system that you never see against an enemy that is not there and not at least physically present in a weapon system that again you never see it and if you do see it it probably means the end of times i mean like, frankly right <laughs> so um to go from that, then uh, have your entire world go upside down on 9-11, right? So uh, those of us that were in service on that day, I don't think there's a single person in uniform on that day who did not know that that meant a drastic turn in what our role in our society was, right? I mean, I don't know if we could have ever predicted that 20 years later, we'd still be in Afghanistan. But the point is, I think every one of us in some way, shape or form knew that we were at war. Yeah. And, uh, and so then I end up in Korea, where I go from the plains of the middle of nowhere, Wyoming and Nebraska and Northern Colorado to now I'm in a total new country, new experiences. Uh, and I don't remember the distance, but like, well, were we like 150 miles from North Korea and in a, in a time when we didn't really know who the bad guys were and our friends were. And, um, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden here I am 24 years old. I think I got a flight of like 50, uh, security forces defenders like yourself who in many cases are either older than me or at least my peers in age right and and, and allegedly i'm in charge of guys who've got more uh, time in life more time in the air force more time in service more time in korea than i do and, and uh um man that was a really cool experience because uh because it was what i joined the air force to do all of a sudden here we are in the middle of a conflict and in a place on earth that very well as far as we knew at the time could have been the next front line, if you will. Absolutely. Hey, you, you and the, the senior NCOs, the, the flight chiefs did a remarkable job. And I've said this in other circles. Uh, it, it was, it was very impactful for me as a, as an E4 senior airman, because what you just described that you're the, you are the flight leader, you are the flight commander. Uh, but you have these senior NCOs in some cases that have 20, maybe even almost 30 years of experience uh, as security forces uh, members, and I saw you. If I could give it a, a term, I would say you guys. You guys did this this professional dance uh, in a very professional way. Meaning, I saw this mutual submission of authority versus knowledge, and back and forth. And I, it may have been different in closed doors, but I'm telling you, as a, as one of your airmen, uh, it was impressive. Both you and and the senior and seals. How how difficult was that? Was it always easy at your different bases? Was it sometimes challenging? Did you sometimes have some of those senior NCOs that really did step up and just do a remarkable job of mentoring you as a young officer? Absolutely. So, so it's funny you mentioned that in, in the age gap, right? So, so not in Korea, but when I was in Wyoming, my very first flight chief was older than my mom. So I mean, put that in perspective. The guy who now works for me, I'm his direct supervisor, is older than my mom. 
And, uh, and man, he, I thought he was going to fall out of his chair when he found how young I was. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so it, it, there is an absolute challenge, right? You walk into a room and, and that's a, that's a weird military thing, right? Officers just by virtue of the rank on their collar or their shirt, hold a position of authority day one. And, and in my case, you know, uh, I'm, I'm standing there in front of a flight of 50 or 60 airmen and NCOs with, with, you know, at FE Warren with no experience. And by the time I get to Korea, at least I've got two years of, of practical experience under my belt. And, and my role in that regard is uh, certainly I have to at least appear competent. Hopefully I am competent, right? Like that's obviously preferable. And I have to, I think, and, and know enough that I have to suppress, uh, you know, my a cocky attitude to know that these guys who are standing beside me are going to help lead me to success. And I'll tell you throughout my career uh, as a lieutenant, I, I have had senior NCOs. I'm doing what I need to do and remind me that maybe uh, I, I've got some things to learn and I've had senior NCOs prop me up and, uh, and, and not just senior NCOs. I'll point out if you remember, I, I'm sure you remember Tech Sergeant Mo from our time in Korea together. He wasn't even a senior NCO and he was a guy that um, did a phenomenal job of look like he was really, truly in charge, but you know, in, in having conversations, um, being not afraid to call me out of my BS sometimes and, uh, and, and set me up. So uh, I am grateful for the senior NCO experience. I'll tell you, as an Air Force officer, I think it's sometimes a rare experience because a lot of us in the Air Force don't grow up with that strong enlisted presence, just based on the various career fields. Security forces absolutely allowed me to learn from guys who've been doing it a long time and who were absolutely professional enough to say, to, to recognize what our respective roles were and help me out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I remember, uh, I don't remember the exact incident. I just remember we had some type of disturbance on base. It may have been at the NCO club. It may have been something else. And one of the things I appreciated about your leadership was you weren't afraid to get into the work. Now you never tried taking over my work. You let me do my job uh, and you expected me to, but there were also times, especially as an, as a, as a flight commander, as a flight leader where, Hey, you're an armed security forces member. There's a disturbance. It's your job to get involved on a certain level. And I don't know if you got in a foot pursuit. I can't remember exactly what it was. I just remember you coming back to the law enforcement desk and I was like, LT, good work. And you were like, uh, I don't know if you remember that whatsoever. I don't, again, I wish I remembered more details about the call. You know, 20 years ago, kind of hard to remember, but uh, uh, it's a good balance. A good it was balance fun. in leadership. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And, and you know, look, and and here's a you know big difference in, in how our career paths would grow up as well, Right. I haven't done that since as an officer, I've not had the opportunity to step back into that role since I left Korea. Cause it just, I, from an air force perspective, I promoted out of that role, but um, that was a real cool thing about being in Korea is cause uh, you were an opportunity to, to have some very, very busy Friday and Saturday nights. Sometimes um, I don't remember in particular what you're talking about, but uh, I, I was a bet man. I'd say the club was probably involved in some way. And, uh, <laughs> and I do remember getting into a couple of tussles with some folks um, and it was fun stuff. So. What has happened post Korea? What have have some of your assignments been since then? Holy cow! Um, so we have I say weeks. I'm married now. I've got kids, but uh, as a family, as as a military member, we have PCS a lot. So permanent change of station for those who don't know what the PCS is. Um, so since Korea, I went from there to our schoolhouse down at Lackland Air Force Base, where I was a flight chief and an instructor. From there, I went down to South America for a year in Ecuador, where we used to run some counter drug operations, and I was uh, chief of security at a base down there. From there, I was up at Hill Air Force Base in Utah for a couple of years, uh, squadron commander out in Florida at Herbert Field in Florida. After that, uh, went to school out in Fort Leavenworth with the Army for a year. From there, I went to squadron commander in South Carolina, uh, three-year tour in Germany, 
after that on us on the us africa command staff which was pretty cool assignment too uh from africa i was a squadron commander down at insterlake air base in turkey for a year from turkey i went to a great opportunity to go uh, on a fellowship to um, georgia tech georgia Institute of technology down in atlanta for a year uh, from georgia tech i got up to um mine in north dakota and i was working back in icbm security again as a deputy group commander uh, I was fortunate enough to get selected promotion to my current rank at Minot, which sent me down to the Pentagon for a year. And then while I was at the Pentagon, I was selected for my current job, which has now sent me to Vandenberg, California. And then throughout that, I, Iraq and Afghanistan tours, um, uh, a couple, a couple of the deployments, things like that. So it's, it's literally sent me all over the world and it's moved our family quite a bit, but uh, it's been a stupendous ride, frankly. Yeah. that That's not easy. Uh, in fact, you, and I probably could could list a lot of folks who uh, whose marriages can't make that work, whose families can't make that work. Yeah. What have you and your wife done to maintain perspective in life as you've as you've been separated and as you've done all these different moves? Um, yeah, that's a hard question. So it's it's, it's one that I've, unfortunately, I guess uh, my wife and I um, we actually knew each other before I went to Korea. We weren't married yet, so we were able to sustain a, a long distance. Uh, boyfriend girlfriend relationship when i was in korea we actually got married shortly before i left for ecuador for a year so we started off our marriage within about six weeks of being married with a year-long separation and really i think part of what's really key to how that each other has uh has our own things in addition to our marriage so we both have individual independent separate lives which allows us to to uh, i think absorb some of those uh separations because there's things that uh whether it's uh you know what whether it was in, through our marriage, whether it was her goal or, or hobbies or, or friends or skill sets that she she dealt to, um, so one not only just allowing those things to happen, but a lot, but helping those things flourish. So the other half of the couple had things that they could uh, fall back on. Just having great trust and faith in each other, I mean, is certainly uh, uh, hugely important. I mean, you you and I know. I mean, I can't tell you how many relationships I've seen fall apart the second there's a separation in the military and. There's a lot of trust issues that you see. There's a lot of, uh, frankly, and a lot of infidelity issues you see in the military uh, for things like that. I just think that's that's something that's never once been a concern or a problem for us or uh, never once crossed my mind that I had something I had to worry about as a spouse while I was away. Admittedly, my wife is a little more spiritual than I am. And I know that plays a huge role on her side of that. And, and for me, it's just it's, it's staying communicating, staying in touch. You can't be gone from each other for a year and not talk. And so nowadays, like when my tour, when I was in Turkey for a year was our last year long separation. That was from a technology perspective. I literally talked to her every single day because I had this kind of technology, right? I had, I had Skype or I don't think I had Zoom, but you know, I had Skype or I had FaceTime or, or whatever. But even going back to that first year apart when we were in Korea, uh, we still made sure even before we were married that there was at least a phone call every single week where we had spent some quality time on the phone together. Um, we wrote letters, we sent emails and then as technology evolved, the method of the communication evolved with it, but it's, it's that constant touch points. And, uh, even if it's just something simple, like the phone say, Hey man, I'm thinking of you this morning. Um, I love you. I'll talk to you later. And, and just leave it at that. I hear you talking about investments there, right? I mean, that's what it is. Relationships sure. are an investment. We have to, we have to intentionally pour time into our relationships, our spouses, our kids, other significant relationships. If we want them to be successful, if we never put any money in our IRA, guess what? When we retire, there's not going to be any money there. If Fair we never put any time into our relationships, then how can we expect them to sustain, especially this, the tensions and the struggles of, of separation? Uh, hey, you, you mentioned Sergeant uh, Moni, Sergeant Mo. I actually had him written down over here on one of my sticky notes. So I love that you right. brought, 
brought him up. Uh, what what other relationships have you had? Some senior officers over the years that have mentored you, kind of brought you under their wing, and, and just spoke some of those uh, some some of those wise words into your life and into your profession. Yeah, a couple of them. Um, I'll tell you that. Uh, admittedly, I, I this is where my investments have not been as strong. Um, but uh, so I've had some great uh, senior officers out there that that really took me under their wing, helped point me in the right direction. And a couple of them I stay in contact with. A couple of them I don't. But I'll tell you one that one that always jumps out at me. And in, in hindsight, being 2020, is I didn't really appreciate this guy the first time this happened, the first correspondence we had. But uh, the value was there, and I just didn't see it. And, and later on, as we matured our relationship, I, I, it, it happened to me. But um, he was my squadron commander at Lackland, and and uh, you know what I recall, my very first interaction with him was the man sitting down with me, going, I'm "Looking at your records," and I was asking him for something. I don't remember what it was, but new boss probably was poor timing on my behalf as a young captain asking my new boss for something that was going to take me out of work for a minute. I was asking for him to send me for a school or something. He's like, man, I look at your records and you're just nothing but average to me. I'm like, why am I investing in you? And, and that, that was kind of a pretty direct feedback. Right. And, and now here I am like, I've been winning awards and I'm like officer of the year for this and officer of the year for that. And, and this guy's telling me I'm average. Like, who the hell is this guy? And then, uh, you know, once, once I kind of get over myself and, 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 and he's like, you're right. I mean, like here I am asking this guy for something, but what have I done for him or what have I done by him? It's not about him personally, right? It's about him, the organization, him, the commander, him, the, the unit. And, and like, yeah, he's, he's, he was right. And it's, you know, there's a little bit of a, I was looking for a lot of stuff for Chris, but I wasn't looking for a lot of stuff for, for my squadron and, and the team. And, and, uh, once I kind of got over that, I think this guy was a phenomenal mentor and just looking at how he lived his life and his, his the leadership that he provided to our organization was fantastic. Uh, and uh, his name is a guy named, his name is Mike Kelly, Colonel Mike Kelly. He retired now from the Air Force a while ago. And I have unfortunately not maintained as good a contact with Tim as I probably should have. Uh, another one, I've just been really fortunate. Uh, he was my boss when I was a squadron commander in South Carolina, a guy named Colonel Scott Kerr. And he's actually still in the Air Force. He's uh, retiring later this year. Um, there was another guy who just, his approach to life, his, his demeanor as a, to me as a major, a young major, uh, mid to or major squadron commander to let me kind of come in and just run my own thing. And with the, Hey, I'm here when you need me, Chris, what do you want to so come, come call me, come see me. We'll talk it out. And, uh, I've been fortunate that my path has continued to cross with him. Um, I went from, uh, South Carolina to Stuttgart, Germany, and he went to Ramstein, Germany. So we were still in, you know, we were right down the street from each other. We'd saw each other a few times. Then I went from, uh, after my tour in Israel, like I went to Georgia Tech, and he was right down the street at Montgomery, Alabama, at Maxwell. So, I, which is where my in-laws live, so I was there a few times, and yeah, just and you know, stay in touch with him on social media, and so just a couple of guys that just, um, in one case, somebody kind of grounded me and brought me back to what really mattered. In the other case, just the guy who was there to let me do my thing, but always to know he was behind me to help if, if I ever need anything from him. And um, I'm, I'm, man, I'm sure I could come with you know a dozen more if we had enough time to talk about it here. Hey, I, I don't know if uh, you knew this. I was at Lackland as an instructor just before Korea. And then you oh. went to Lackland right after being in Korea. Yep. I, I was part of both the 342nd and the 343rd because there were different functions at the two squadrons. Yep. And as you were saying that, I remember, uh, I think his, his name was Lieutenant Colonel Irwin, Michael Irwin, if I remember correctly. Mike Irwin, at yeah. Three, at the 342nd at the time. And I remember in this commander's call, him, him looking at us and saying, uh, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you're not that important. And at first it's kind of like, that doesn't sound like a compliment or an inspirational speech, sir, but, but you have to let the man finish, right? Because he was going somewhere with this. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, I need you to take your vacation. Your families are important. You're not that cool. important. The mission is going to go on. The rest of us right here, we're going to take care of business while you're off investing in your family. 
And, and then when you get back, someone else will go. So you're not that important. Get over yourself. Take your vacations with your family. It's good for your health. And this was before we were talking about this. You know, right now there's a huge space yes. for people talking about wellness, mental wellness, uh, way, better ways to take care of our body. You know, this was 19, uh, late 99, early 2000, probably, probably 2000, when, when he's talking about this 22 years before it's even a thing. Uh, just really appreciated uh, leaders like that, that, that tell you what you need to hear. Even when it first hits your ears, you're like, did I just hear that right? Right. No, he's absolutely right. And, and I'll tell you that, you know, it's Colonel Arcura, he mentioned secondary Scott Arcura, that I don't know if we ever had that conversation in the same regard, but to look at him, and if I were to like describe the man, he's a family man. I mean, that's like one of the first things that comes to mind. This is a, he's a career warrior, right? He's, um, in fact, he, if I'm not mistaken, he has actually gotten some exceptions of policy to serve beyond his 30 years in the Air Force. He continues to serve as an active duty officer. But first and foremost, he is a family man, and he has a fantastic uh, wife, and I think he's got five kids. Some are grown, and some are still at home. And and he's just by his example, what Colonel Irwin is describing to you, this is the, what exactly the Colonel Kerr was living every single day. And you're right, because we talk about all the time, and sometimes, you know, as a lieutenant, as a captain, you didn't see it, but we talk about all the time, man. The day I hang up my uniform, the Air Force is going to move on, and it's not going to take them but about 30 seconds to do it. Um, they're going to shake my hand and hand me a, hand me a decoration or a flag or something and say, thanks. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm yesterday's news exactly at that point. So yeah, the, the family side of this is so much more important than the, than the job side of it. How has that changed? You know, I've, I've been out, uh, I, I ended up separating in, uh, 2005, uh, and, uh, joining municipal police department. Uh, how has that conversation changed in the active duty Air Force, just in reference to wellness? Because again, it wasn't that that they were neglecting it back then. There was a conversation being had, but sure. I just feel feel like I've seen the 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 research, the case studies, the 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 voices speaking out, and people telling their story, trying to uh, decrease stigma. Uh, what have you seen as a colonel in in the change? All right, so so here's where I'll, here's where I'll throw out my official uh, Air Force. Uh, qualifying statement, right? So, so I, I, I'm absolutely, I'm an active duty officer in the United States Air Force. I've been a commander. I'm, I'm a colonel, um, but I am here speaking Chris Sheffield's point of view. This is nothing I'm saying here is the Department of the Air Force's official stance, or as we we might talk later, I'm actually assigned to an Air Force, a Space Force installation. It's on a Space Force point of view. This is purely my personal opinion, but uh, um, I think in many ways, unfortunately, it took the military, but the Air Force specifically to go through some tragedy and realize that we are putting our folks in the wrong place. And so it's no secret what's, it's been the topic of conversation for probably 10 years now. Uh, you know, it's suicide rates in the military, suicide rates among veterans, uh, add to that, not just suicide rates, but a high risk for violence scenarios, whether it's domestic violence or, uh, veterans who, uh, conduct violent crime after their military life for the military to really take a step back and go, Hey, look, we, we have to figure out how to provide people balance. And, and you're absolutely right. That was not a conversation. I, I'll tell you right now, I don't remember ever having a conversation in Korea about making sure family things were, you know, on point, right. There was some conversations that probably looked like, Hey, uh, you know, if you're, if you're screwing around over here, make sure you keep it over here. Cause you know, you, there's some UCMJ behind it. If you get arrested for adultery, but I, that's not the right kind of conversation to have. Right. So I think, unfortunately, uh, some very high publicity tragedy and trends 
forced us to take a knee and take a step back and go, hey, what's what's different here? And again, as a municipal police officer, uh, you know, there's some similar concerns here, right? We 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 work yeah. in both work in, in in realms where if you're the guy who can't pull the weapon tomorrow and go on shift, what good are you to the organization, right? And that stigma exists, and it exists in the military. For me, both as a you know a security force member, military policeman, but also as a military officer, there's only one reason we exist, and that's to wage our country's wars and if you are not in a position where you can go to a combat zone you cannot deploy you're not in a, in a ready status people are going to look at you in a certain way right and so that's a stigma we really have to get after and as a as i've grown into a senior leader i think i've been fortunate in the fact that i've grown into a senior leader in the same time frame that the air force has begun to evolve its viewpoint and it's easy for me to be able to go out and say hey look it's, it's okay to take a knee it's okay and as a squadron commander, I used to tell my guys, like, hey, man, it's, it's, you know, if we're out there in a, in, a, in a team sport, right, and you're playing injured and you're not able to pick up that key block or, or make that throw because you just can't do it, you're not helping me. I need you to take a knee because I need you for the game at the end of the season. I don't need you there today. So we've yeah. got someone else who can step up and take your role for a little bit, get you to where you need to be and step back in. And, and that notion that we would never ask someone to go to work with a blown ACL. Right, we would never ask them to go out and chase down somebody with a torn knee. Why would we ask them to go do the same level of work, carrying a weapon every single day, possibly making life or death decisions, truly almost on instinct and muscle memory and training, then without even giving an opportunity to think about it? Why would we ask them to do that with a broken brain? Right, yeah. when, when there's something going on inside. So I think that's been a substantial change, and in, in um, I think it's 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 a needed change, and. Uh, um, my hope is that as we have evolved, that uh, while the numbers have been horrific as far as suicides and some very notable public violent events that have occurred uh, among veterans uh, and military members, uh, I think my hope is that the, the things that we can't prove that there were lives that we were saved that we never know we saved and we'll never know we saved because we told somebody who who one day got up and said, you know what, uh, I'm going to go talk to the chaplain today or I'm going to go see them in a whole professional today and, and uh, you know maybe they take a few weeks off, but to this to this day, they're still around for their kids or their for their spouse or their mom and dad or whatever the right answer is. Yeah, I've really been encouraged. My dad's a retired police commander, and and him and I have had some very frank conversations after he retired. And hearing the history of of law enforcement in my area, and then just reading reading a number of books that that deal with post traumatic stress injuries, and uh, hearing the history specifically when it comes to law enforcement. And, and recognizing where, we're, where we were in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and where we are today. Because I, I hear people sometimes get frustrated. We should be doing more right now. Absolutely. 100% agree with you. However, acknowledge what we've done over the last 50 years, right? Yeah. And, then yep. let's, and, and then let's keep the effort moving forward. Because here's the deal. You might come up with a great idea, and it may be good for you. But in the diversity of, of, of the human experience, that may not work for everybody. Your, your, your path to healing and to getting right in the head, uh, my path, I was a child crime detective and I went through a really tough, mm. tough battle with anxiety and depression. I just, I, I, my head was full of too many stories of little Susie's and little Tommy's and I wasn't dealing with it. I was just stuffing it down deep. And my story of what I did to, to, to heal and then to be a effective uh, police sergeant, you know, after that uh, is my story. It may not apply to other folks. So I love to hear what you guys are doing. That's it's it's encouraging. I kind of I kind of knew it. I just didn't know what your perspective is, right? Because I 
my perspective my, my my perspective is that the military has really moved forward just from reading the articles I read and and hearing some uh, word of mouth stories but I like I like hearing the difference uh, that, that you're seeing as well hey let's yeah. talk about space force just because I know I okay. said this at the beginning but I gotta say it again it's fun you know Steve Carroll can only take us so far <laughs> right when it comes to educating me about space force I need Colonel Sheffield to help yeah. me out here a little bit so, so yeah, absolutely. So let me tell you real quick about Steve Carell. So uh, believe it or not, this is true. This is true story. If you're ever in the Pentagon, and if you've ever had a chance to be in the Pentagon, the Pentagon's almost like a giant museum. When you're walking down the hallways, there is artwork and there are displays. And this, you could spend your entire day just wandering the halls of the Pentagon, looking at this just super cool stuff everywhere. And all of the service branch have their own hallway. So there's now a Space Force hallway. And, and my last assignment till this last summer was I was assigned to the Pentagon. The Space Force hallway was like one quarter down from where I worked. So if I was ever like in my windowless office, just needed a break, I'd go wander the halls. And uh, Steve Krell's picture is in the Space Force hallway. So like his his Space Force, it, it's in there. And there's some other pop culture stuff in there as well. And going back to Star Trek and, and some other things like that. But uh, uh, so, so United States Space Force. So United States Space Force came about, I, I want to, so disclaimer, I'm not in the Space Force. I'm actually in the Air Force, but I am assigned to a Space Force organization. So uh, any, any Space Force folks out there who see me, um, please forgive my inaccuracy here. But um, I believe it's December of 2019, U.S. Space Force becomes its own independent branch of the United States military. So just like the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marine Corps, the Space Force is the fifth armed service, United States Air, the United States military. They fall under the Department of the Air Force. So if you're familiar at all with how the Marine Corps and the Navy, they both work for the Secretary of the Navy. They both have very separate and distinct roles in fighting our nation's wars, but the Secretary of the Navy is ultimately responsible for both those services. The same happens with the Air Force. So the Secretary of the Air Force, I'm sorry, the Space Force, excuse me, the Secretary of the Air Force is the service secretary who's responsible to organize, train, and equip both the United States Air Force and the United States Space Force. And um, as as we came into the end, the latter half of the of the of the 20 teens, you know, 2011 to 2020, um, it, it almost comes up as a joke when you talk about it. You know, it's on, it's on, uh, you know, it's on late night talk shows and Steve Carell's got his TV show. Right. But, uh, but there is legitimately uh, a national security interest in having a, uh, an independent military force that that conducts operations in space. So no, it's not going to be X-wing fighters versus TIE fighters, at least not for you know <laughs> any, any known current technologies. Right. Um, we're not going to put, probably put soldiers on the moon to go fight over the moon base with China, like in the space force. Right. But, uh, but there are uh, every single day in our nation in, in, in the importance of the security of our nation, there are military uh, strategic military goals and objectives that rely heavily on our ability to uh, operate freely in space and defend our assets in space. Um, and I'll give you just one example. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, if, if you're got some time and you're curious and you own any kind of debit card, credit card, and I, I'd be challenged to find an American who probably doesn't, right? The international banking systems that allow you to swipe a credit card today in Washington state or anywhere in the world and have it register with your bank in real time and actually match with the money, that rides on the timing system set on our Constellation GPS satellites. And if your GPS satellite system goes offline, you could effectively lose your ability to do bank. That's a pretty substantial concern when you consider the extremely limited number of GPS satellites that exist out there, right? And then you consider the fact that in, in anywhere out in the news today, you can pull an open source 
news and Google it, and you can find that some of our adversary countries out there have the ability to go into orbit today, target a operating satellite, and and take it out of commission, and, and there's virtually no way to defend against it. Um, anything, not anything, many things that we do that rely, uh, that involve communications around the globe, weather patterns, um, precision navigation, um, and I can go on and on and on, uh, comes on the backs of a satellite system or a ground tracking station around the globe that is in some way, shape, or form possibly ran by the United States military. Uh, some of our adversaries have actually already gone to independent space force before we did and, and, uh, and reorganized their forces uh, to do that. And so uh, the Space Force, while it gets a lot of good punchlines, right, um, there, there's an absolute vital need for what they do. And, uh, and whether folks recognize it or not, there uh, are folks operating the space domain right now as we speak who are um, defending our country. So what they did when, so to, to your point, so what they did is they took uh, primarily initially to start the U.S. Air Forces, what, it was, what was known as Air Force Space Command. So the Air Force is subdivided into what we call major commands. Air Force Space Command was the command that managed the Air Force's portion of the U.S. military space capability. And Air Force Space Command, almost part and parcel, just the whole thing became the United States Space Force. In the time since that happened in early or in late 2019, then we have followed on with some aspects of other military service. Space capabilities have rolled into Space Force and, and there's more planning. But uh, U.S. US Space Force is alive and well. It exists uh, for, uh, the Chief of Space Operations, General Raymond, is uh, sits at the same table as all the other chairmen of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. They have their own operating budget. They have their own strategies, their own doctrine. Um, so I happen to sit at a, at a space launch delta where we um, conduct the business of launching rockets into space to put national security and other uh, payloads into orbit. And in uh, my role in that organization is uh, what in the rest of the Air Force, you might know as a mission support group commander or a support group commander, uh, if you remember those days. Um, Kind of the city manager. You get you you know, Department of uh, Public Works. You get uh, fire emergency services, child new services, parks and recreation. The HR department for the for the city, if you will. So the, a lot of the space force is very lean and very operationally focused. So what you'll find there again is this Air Force Space Force relationship. The space force only. Actually, let me rephrase this. I'm sorry. Those those are assigned actually wearing U.S. Space Force name tapes on their shirts. Um, they're a very small subset of what the Space Force is. Most of their operational support stuff will remain Air Force because uh, they're very much operationally focused and the Air Force is going to retain their responsibility to run the installations, protect the installations, sustain the installations, et cetera. So I don't know what else I can tell you about Space Force. I'm happy to answer questions, but I, I, I suspect nobody wants to hear a 45-minute oh, speech on it. I thought that was great because I didn't realize that I, I really thought they had splintered away and, uh, and, and I figured that there was now security forces members that were wearing air force, you know, space force tabs. And, but that makes total sense. Why, why are we going to duplicate uh, jobs and training centers and all of a sudden exactly. we're just going to increase money that we really don't need to be, need to be spending out. Hey, one of the things I loved about, uh, trolling, if I can call it that, your Facebook account was, it looks like you and your wife like to have fun. Uh, you was dressing up for different parties. I don't know if it was a Halloween party, but Probably, she yeah. was, she was Rosie the Riveter and you're, yeah. you know, you're a young, I don't know if it was an airman or a, a you know, young army uh, soldier. And, and it just looks, I don't know, how do you guys infuse fun into your marriage and into 
your, your family life? Well, so, uh, so I think the kids have a lot to do with it, right? So we've got three little girls, um, 11, eight and seven, right? So, uh, so if you, if you've, if any, you've had kids yourself and, and, and you know, you all girls as well, I think actually. So, uh, you know, that at some, at, at certain ages, like the age they are, you, you can't do things that aren't fun, right? Cause it just doesn't work as a family, right? You can't, every time I take my kids anywhere near something that sounds like a museum, it's just, uh, it's the worst. I'm so bored. So you got to do things that are, uh, uh, that are, that are fun and entertaining. And, and so, yeah, I just look for opportunities and I'll tell you it, it, the, what's, I'm lucky in the regard that, that my wife's a good driving factor behind that. So if there's a costume party to be had, or there's, there's some cool event in the local neighborhood. And then the other part about that, we're lucky in the regard that, uh, as a military officer and, and a senior, in my case, a senior officer, we live in fairly sequestered neighborhoods, if you will. Uh, my, my current position requires me to live on the installation. So I live with all the other colonels on the base and, and just because, and you remember, you know, nobody wants to be around a colonel, right? Like you see, when you're in the military, right, you see a colonel coming, you're going to do anything you can to get out of that room, right? Uh, <laughs> it still happens and nobody wants to be around us. So we have to hang out with each other. So it, you, you kind of get some insular little community that allows that. But it's, it's all about, you, you've got to continue to find ways to be creative and, enter, and entertain yourself because there's so many things, you know, these things, right. will take up all of your time. Darn uh, cell phones. Yeah. I have two, in fact. So uh got to carry the work phone and the personal phone. And then and I'm talking to you on a tablet and every one of my kids has a tablet. So, you know, you've got to find ways to break away from that. And, and uh, the other thing we do as a family, is if you've done your Facebook, you probably see we, uh, we have a, a travel trailer. So we go camping a lot. We try to break away. So I'm the guy who's trying to drive us to like, hey, we got to be there by noon because we got to get to this thing by one o'clock. And then by 2.30, we're doing this. And my wife's like, stop. Um, let's just go and sit and drink a beer and watch the kids play outside. So we got to balance that a little bit. Like I'm always trying to go see things and she's just you know trying to go and relax. So, um, but getting away um, and, and trying to make the most of this military lifestyle. So good or bad, our kids are in their fifth school district in five years. We've moved every summer for five consecutive years. And we like to tell people we're making memories for these guys, right? Whether they know it or appreciate it or not, maybe someday they'll look back and be excited about it. So we're looking for those opportunities every chance we get to take advantage of the fact that who knows where we're going to live next summer. So we might as well make the most out of what we have this summer. Yeah. I think it develops character. Right? And and even though it's not always pleasant in, in the time, I mean, lifting weights isn't pleasant, right? But it's it's tearing, breaking down muscle. And then we, it builds, you know, we build back that sure. muscle stronger than it was before. And my kids have experienced similar. My oldest uh, is 21 and she, she experienced that military life a little bit, although she was really young at the beginning of it. But then I started as a police officer in Seattle and then moved over to Eastern Washington. And then even a couple of residences uh, within the city, just because of different uh, circumstances. Yeah. My kids kind of got sick of being the new kid in school and they're sure. like, Oh, dad, really again. But now I see them as being uh, especially my oldest too, being very social and able to engage pretty much anyone in any, any circumstance. That's great. And, uh, yeah. So, Hey, you said something else there that just kind of rung true for me, uh, as I uh, promoted into supervisory roles, uh, I had some mentors of mine warn me, give me a heads up, whatever the right word is. Hey, Chris, uh, sometimes supervision, sometimes leadership is lonely. Some because you used to have this circle of people that you could engage in, and as you become the boss, and as you become the boss's boss, and and, and further up, your circles get smaller and smaller of who you can really confide in, just because of the appropriateness of you know whatever it is that right. you want to discuss. Uh, does it is it different in the military because of the fact that 
I mean, you're pretty much PCS and every time you promote, you're not staying in the exact same circle or, or have you, have you found the same thing to be true that as you've promoted, uh, not that you're lonely, maybe that's too strong of a word, but just that, that recognition that uh, there's not a whole lot of folks that you get to talk to anymore. No, it's absolutely true. Um, and, and I don't know that PCS uh, necessarily changes that. Um, it's the, the names of the people that, you're around all the time change because you're moving different bases, but the roles don't change and, and, and the, the rank structure is still there, right? It's a pyramid, right? There's a lot more, there's a lot more junior ranking guys in the bottom than there are senior guys in the top. And um, when you make either a, a bad leadership decision that uh, affects all the people below you or B, you make an unpopular leadership decision. One, you're not going to, you can't go to them and cry on their shoulder, right. For your mistake or for, for, you know, uh, they don't like me today or whatever. Right. Um, and so you, yeah, you're looking to the folks that are at your peer level and, uh, and yeah, the farther you go, the, the more challenging it gets. And we always joke about, um, and I, I'm sure there's some similar thing on, on your side of things in the world, but as people promote, and especially when they promote in like being, you know, squadron commanders or, or chief master sergeants, you always tell them like, Hey, guess what? You're now part of them. Remember they made a bad decision. They're the ones making me do this horrible thing. Well, guess who they is now? It's you. Uh, so everyone still has a day, right? I still have a day. You still have a day, but they're just different people now, higher up. But there's no, make no mistake about it. When you reach a certain level, you become them and you become they, and, and you need to be accountable there for all the decisions you make, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. And yeah, that's that's a challenge for sure. And finding that it's hard to find the persons that you can lean on. Uh, and, and, and that, again, I come back to that discussion about family earlier, right? Like that's what you know, family is so incredibly important, right? If I make a bad decision today as a Colonel, I might be able to talk to my boss about it. The other one, one of the other colonels who's having my boss, right. But my, my, my scope of folks is pretty limited. And if I made a bad decision that affected not only my airman, but also him, cause he's the boss. And now he's got to answer for my terrible decision. Who am I going to talk to? Right. Like, it, 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 I can go talk to my wife and maybe complain to her. Uh, but yeah, it's, that is a challenge. I think it's, it's probably, I'm guessing it's probably a challenge in almost any occupation, if you will. Yeah. So you, did you say that, uh, that you're allowed to serve for 30 years as an officer? Is that what I heard you say earlier? Uh, generally speaking. Yeah. 30 years in, as a commission officer. Uh, if you make 06, I mean, Colonel, it goes to 30, Lieutenant Colonel somewhere less, I, I think maybe 24. Um, and excuse me, I apologize. Uh, those folks who make general officer, there's some different rules entirely for them. It goes beyond 30 and, it's literally in the hands of Congress at that point. So, okay, all right. Because my next question is, what's next? But you Ooh. probably don't know what's next, right? I mean, that's the reality. Uh, of being a senior officer in the military is that they're going to tell you what's next. Yeah, but so here's the thing. Uh, yes, that is, that's kind of the part of being in the military is you know you kind of they kind of just tell you what's next. But I've kind of reached the point where it's there's nowhere else for me to go. Uh, the likelihood that I'll ever be a general officer is I mean, it's infinitesimal percentages, right? I mean, it's nowhere in my in my five year plan, if you will, that I'll, that I'll ever be a general officer um, as as a career field, the security force career field. So I still hold the security forces AFC, AFSC, excuse me. Um, but uh, uh, you know, we've got six hundred and fifty officers or so. There's one general. We get one. We get one one star. And if you're not that guy. Uh, you're not that guy and I'm not a guy. So, um, so, so yeah. So what's next? I don't know. Uh, so 
this current assignment I'm in uh, is uh, it's a two year assignment. Uh, and, and so unless I get myself removed in some way, um, we'll be here at least through the summer of 23. I'm beyond 20 years. So I'm retirement eligible in that regard, but because I promoted and took some assignments, the, the, the game doesn't work out where I can just retire whenever I want. I got to wait for some opportunities to, to retire. I might be able to retire in the summer of 23. Um, probably more likely I'll have to take an assignment out of here and then wherever that ends up taking us and we'll make a decision there. But I can't imagine there being more than one more assignment for me. Uh, you know, my oldest is going to be, uh, she's a sixth grader now. She'll be a seventh grader here next year. Uh, we've always said we want to be done moving before she hits high school or when she hits high school, if you will. So she doesn't have, once she's in high school, we don't want her to ever change schools again. So if wherever we're at, when she hits high school, if, if it's still something I enjoy doing and, and, and the air force isn't going to force me to go anywhere, we'll sit and we'll, we'll continue to serve and, and let her get into high school, but our kids, the way they're stacked up, there's, there's not, there's no logical break after that. So once we ever get her in high school, we're done because we'll have to get all the way through school for all these kids. And, and, and I think it's the least we could owe them is let them have a solid high school experience after, again, my sixth grader is literally in her, um, her sixth school. She, uh, she's done kindergarten, first grade in one school. And she's done every year since in a different school district, in a different state, a different town. So the question is, what do I do when I retire? And I have no idea. I always tell people I know what I don't want to do and that's what I'm doing now. And, uh, <laughs> um, and, and that, that's not a poke at my current job. I sit at every job. I mean, like, I know what I want to do. What are we doing right now? I have no idea. And I have labored over this and I, I drive my wife insane with this. Like, Hey, what if I were to go do this? Or what if I went back to school for this? She's just tired of talking about it. She's like, just pick something. I'm like, just let me know when you decide. So, I don't know. Well, I think you deserved it, Colonel. I think at this point, whatever the heck you and your wife want to do, <laughs> go do it and just rock it and, I appreciate that. and enjoy it. Yeah, I appreciate thank, it. Thanks. Thank you so much for, for giving me your time. I, I know that this was a little bit of work on the back end, making sure that it was kosher. And then, uh, especially when you have three lovely ladies, four including your wife, uh, time is is precious. And so thank you for, for giving, me, giving me a piece of your time. No, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk and just catch up. And it's like 20, like literally 20 years, right? So it, it's really cool yeah. just to see you again and, 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 and talk with you. That's not just a Facebook text here and there. So, and, and, and to you, man, uh, what a cool thing. You just like, you know, you troll my Facebook page. I've trolled your Facebook page and I, I do a lot of watching people on Facebook. I don't do a lot of posting, but uh, man, uh, this right here, this podcast, the stuff you do with your wife, uh, the lovely kids that you've grown, uh, this is just Congratulations to you, man. It's it makes me proud to look back on a former troop, and and I'm gonna say this too. Uh, and uh, we kind of talked about this a minute ago, but I'll come back on it. You you asked me about um, as a lieutenant, how do your senior NCOs shape you? I will tell you that uh, as an officer, what I've learned is that every one of my troops shapes me. And I'll tell you, uh, as an E4, I almost always remember you on the desk. By the way, when I think of Crystal Trail, you're on the desk uh, as a, an E4 sitting at the law enforcement desk. Um, you're shaping an officer. And so I don't know if, you know, if you're people in your audience out there that are, that are listening, if they're still serving or they're a junior in some way, or probably not even in the military, probably in other walks of life, even I would just say, don't, don't think that just cause you're lower down in the, in the totem pole, if you will, that you, your influence does not matter on the people above you because it's informative for those guys and whether they even realize it or not. Um, but yeah, I'm proud of you and congratulations to you as well for just what a, a wonderful life lives. It's, it's awesome. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. Cool. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, what a humbling experience. This this experience of, of 
producing a podcast has just been remarkable. It gives me an excuse. We shouldn't need an excuse, should we? But it gives me an excuse to think about these people that have impacted my life in, in significant ways and to reach out to them and start a conversation and then to produce it so that others can benefit uh, as uh, from it as well. Uh, I hope you grabbed some great takeaways in life and in leadership from Colonel Sheffield. Hey, I want to hear from you. Jamie and I are constantly trying to make this better. Uh, there's a few different ways you can communicate with us. If you're consuming this on Amazon, on uh, Spotify, or actually I messed that up, not on Amazon. If you're consuming this on Apple podcast platform, on Spotify, on Facebook, you can still rate and review us. If you think we deserve it, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating. That increases our viewability on those podcast platforms. You can also shoot us an email at chris at gravityct.com. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know how we can make it better. Maybe give us ideas of future guests or Marriage Monday topics. Ladies and gentlemen, you hear me say it uh, before and I'm going to say it again. We only get to live this life once, right? So let's go out and do it well. Let's love on the people in our circles. Uh, Take care of each other. God bless. God bless.